to have us here. It's our thrill to be here. And um, I wasn't here 50 years ago, but I, I was a part of this fellowship 40 years ago. And um, I'll tell you what, some of you folks were there. 40 years of faithfulness, that is incredible. That really is, and it, it, it does encourage my heart. <clears throat> I don't remember 40 years ago as well as some of you do, but um, anyways. Uh, yeah, let me just, um, I want to say thank you very much. That was an excellent introduction. We, we are an extension of this church. Some of you may not realize that, but um, not just ourselves, but all of the missionaries back there that are a part of what's going on around the world. We're an extension of these churches. We are sent out from churches like this one and other ones that are faithful to God's word, that recognize the need to be reaching out around the world. We have the privilege of being the ones that go. And so um, I do want to, as we get started here, I'm going to give a little bit of a personal testimony before we get into the word. Because some of you have known me for 40 plus years. Um, but as far as our family goes, um, some have known us uh, for about 13 or 14 years since we first went over to New Guinea. Uh, others we met about eight years ago. Some we met about four years ago. And, and some of you we're just looking forward to getting to know today for the first time. But I mean, that's... We, we've been a part of what's happened here at Fellowship Bible Church as we have been sent out and we've come back. And I just want to give a, a little testimony um, of, of that. But, but God has been faithful to us through 13 years. We're going to look at a few pictures here. Um, it's already been mentioned Lucy isn't with us. And uh, the reason is, is that she is going to school down in South Carolina. And um, she's growing onto... Uh, legs that are becoming more and more independent of us as, a, a, as parents, and uh, she's standing on her own two feet. And um, so this is a time of transition for us. Uh, she finished high school in May, and uh, just one thing after another, she's taking steps into her early adulthood and, and functioning. And uh, God has been so good. Just, uh, let's get rolling here. My, there we go. All right, so just a little family update. So those that have known us for 13 years, this is us at... We're going to be looking at pictures through it. and um, So it's probably light enough in here for you to, to look at your Bibles, too, with the lights off. But this is us at Logan Airport thir almost 13 and a half years ago um, as we first went to New Guinea. And again, I don't want to belabor this, but these are just... Um, a reflection of, of God's faithfulness to us. And, and part of our goal uh, for this morning, part of my goal, is to incorporate God's faithfulness um, and try to give you a picture in, in real terms that are understandable of what's going on in New Guinea. And as we look at God's word, kind of all intertwined. So um, these are pictures of us through the years. You see the growth in our family. Uh, this is our latest. We do have prayer cards in the back, and so I just want to mention that, and also a list. If we need your email address so you can receive our prayer updates, please get, get that information to us. There's a list back there to, to put that info on. So, um, so this is our family. It's not, it's not all about us. It's not about us at all, and, and I've really appreciated the Sunday School lesson this morning and then the reminder from Pastor Chris that we're simply people that are placed here for a short period of time to be wise stewards of what God entrusts us with. 
And um, as we look at God's word, we're going to be taking a look at, at that gospel message that we have. And uh, again, looking at what's happened in New Guinea and, and with the goal of, of really making this practical. We, we have, um, we've been traveling around, and as recently as just a couple of weeks ago, somebody that, that has known us for years, they, they've been tracking with our ministry for the whole time since we, before we went over there and then the whole time we've been there, been receiving our prayer letters and reading those things. Um, they made a comment that, that hit home to me. And they said, you know, until I saw one of the pictures in the slides that we've shown this time, I never thought of those people as real people with, with minds, with souls, they're, they're with needs and, and emotions and those kind of things. They said, I always just, they were just kind of pictures and, and objects over there. And what missionaries did was kind of disjointed from that. And that kind of was a, that was a wake up call to me. First of all, because, you know, we, we attempt to, to bring the life that's happening over there to you all and to present that in a way that's understandable. Um, but that just made me realize that, you know, sometimes we don't grasp that picture. We don't really see that we're a part of God's economy, if we're talking about it in finances or his time, his, his history that, that he's writing for the world. We're a part of that, and we have a responsibility, but it's not just us. It's, it's not just those of us that are right here. There's an element of it that's happening all, all the way around the world. And um, so I just want to share with that, that with you. And, um, Anyway, we'll be around afterwards too, so if it stirs up questions, we want to answer those questions for you and try to help you see in a practical way what you're really a part of there. So um, anyway, as we step back to the, the family update a little bit, um, this is, our kids have grown up there, and that's the reason why I even showed those pictures. They, what they know is New Guinea. Uh, Lucy was only five when we first went over there, so her memories of before that uh, are, are very limited, just little childhood memories. She has grown up there, become accustomed to the way of life there. That's the transition we're making because all of a sudden, all at once, Lucy's being plopped here in the U.S. and she's learning to function. Doing very well, we, we definitely appreciate the prayers for her, but as she is functioning and in, in living down there in South Carolina, it's with the goal that when we go back in July, she won't be returning with us. She's gonna be staying here and uh, just as a young lady, uh, have the responsibility for life here and being independent apart from her parents. So anyway, these are big things. A few prayer requests. We know that you folks do pray for us, but pray for us as we prepare to return to PNG later this year. We are planning to go in July. Um, some of you have been praying for our visa situation. We still don't have those. There's no real explanation for why we don't. Um, but we need to get our visas taken care of soon so we can begin to make plans. So pray for, for that. Um, pray for Lucy as she takes on more responsibilities and like I said, for the opportunities that she has to live out her faith in her school and work environment. Uh, she's, Lucy has had the privilege like many, many of you young people have to grow up in a Christian environment and she's gone to Christian school and this is the real time really being immersed into a secular environment with the school she's going to and her job. And um, she's had an excellent opportunity to be a testimony. Just by very fact of answering the question of where, where she's from, it opens up doors. And so she's been faithful with that. And we just pray that she's going to continue on with that. So pray for Lucy. Pray for safety as we travel. We have a fairly busy schedule over the next months traveling around. Um, 
we'll head back to South Carolina this next week, and then we'll be traveling uh, across the south and um, in the Midwest. So we appreciate prayers for us there. And then pray that our eyes would be focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we say this, this is probably the most important prayer request for us as a family and for us as a, a larger family, the, the body of believers here, is just that we would be focused on things of the Lord and we'd be able to not be distracted by the things that so often become a distraction in our lives. The transitions are huge. Some of the logistical things that we are, are trusting the Lord for, they're just huge, huge obstacles that we see in our path, but yet the Lord uses those things to reveal himself to us as he provides for our needs over and over again, as he leads us, as he directs us. And, um, you know, it's not, I, I've said this before, but as missionaries, it wasn't a step of faith that we took 15 years ago and we're still riding on that step of faith. It's, it's constantly that the Lord allows things to come into our lives to trust him. And um, as we, we go on here, um, I, I was just reminded as I was reading in Mark chapter 6, uh, this is the, the story of Jesus walking on the water. And we remember the context a little bit. Just, I'll just remind you that Jesus had sent out the disciples at the beginning part of that chapter. They had gone out and they were teaching. They were healing people and casting out demons and, and doing some incredible things. They return uh, to be with Jesus again. They had a, a little time of rest. And right after that, there was the huge gathering of people when Jesus fed the 5,000. And, um, you know, we can remember that dialogue. We know these passages well. We could, we could look at it from each of the Gospels and, and pick out little details of it. But the reality of it is, is that there were 12 men, very real men that were similar to us in, in the fact that they, they doubted, they lacked faith, they were... They, they failed to recognize Jesus for who he was, even though he was right in front of them at times. But yet, they had the heart, and we know that what they became later on. But in that course of things, you know, they were like, how are we going to feed these people? You know, that's, that's a year's worth of wages, in essence. And yet, God did that work. He provided. He fed the, the people with five loaves and two fish. You know, that would um, probably wouldn't make it past the first pew if we were to try to feed that with our own resources, but yet God did an amazing work. That led to, immediately after that, as the crowds were dispersing, Jesus sent the disciples away. He sent them across to, to, into a boat to cross the, the water. And we know that story. They were out there in the, the middle of the dark. Their, their winds were, were stirred up. They were concerned. And um, it says that the, the winds were contrary against them. Uh, and about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out. Okay? So just put yourself in their shoes a little bit. They just saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with that little lunch. What do you suppose that conversation was like? It's only speculation, but that's, that's what is going on in these men's life. And then they see Jesus walking towards them. They still didn't recognize that it was Jesus. So they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished. And here's the challenge for us. And uh, again, this is just 
to finish up this testimony part before we move ahead, but verse 52, it said, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart was hardened. And I, I think about our lives that we've lived. We've, we've tried to live them openly and, and transparently in front of you, and some of you have seen the struggles, the health things, those things that happened in our lives, and as we seek to trust the Lord through those things and through now these transitions that are happening and the concept of leaving Lucy here and us getting on a plane and flying halfway around the world, that's beyond my ability as a father to be able to, to actually come to grips with that right now. But yet God is faithful and we see him working and how can we doubt that, that there's that aspect of faith where we trust him to continue to move forward or the contrary to that is exactly where the disciples were where their hearts were hardened. They saw Jesus do an incredible, visible miracle right in front of them. And they did not gain any insight from that incident. And that's where we're at. So just again, to summarize this testimony part, pray for us as we move ahead. We want to grow and build and, and continue to move ahead with the same knowledge and confidence that God is gonna continue to walk with us. He's promised to do that. We know it to be true but we want that to come out of our lives and to be lived out in a practical way. We know that that's the thing that he's gonna be most glorified with in our lives. So pray for us as we move ahead. Um, so this is a, a transition here, we're, we're moving ahead. You, you see the, the globe here. Um, we still get the question from many people, where's Papua New Guinea? So I, I don't wanna assume anything, just a, a quick brief lesson here. It's that island right there, north of Australia. Um, that's where the Lord has had us. And we'll just kind of hone in a little bit more. Uh, going to talk about Sino, the Abao people. And uh, that's where they live. Is if we were to get on a plane and fly over there, this is what you'd be seeing. Some of you have seen these pictures or pictures like this before. But we're leading, leading ahead with a goal of trying to make this practical for us. So moving ahead, and there's the airstrip. You folks were praying about that. And we've seen a transition from darkness to light. If you will, open your Bibles with me. We're going to look at a few different passages, but from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, I'd like to read a few verses to just remind us of some, some spiritual truths that we know of. So you go into 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We, we know the fact from, from pretty much all of Paul's epistles that he wrote, and the other ones as well that other folks, men wrote, that the battle that we, we are in is not a physical one. In Ephesians 6, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the spiritual rulers of this world, and that's a realm of darkness. And uh, as we think about missionary work, we think about what's happened in New Guinea, it, it is a story of people moving from darkness to light. We moved into Sino uh, in uh, 2000, 2001, actually. It was exactly 13 years ago now. It was January. We moved in there, and we moved into a realm that was devoid of light. It wasn't that there was light and there were shadows cast over it and there were a group of unbelievers. There was no gospel message, no gospel testimony in that village at all. The light of God's word had not, had not entered into that area. Um, at times, the, just getting started, it was a very much a physical task of building houses and, and getting ourselves established in, in the 
community there and becoming known to the people. But it changed from that. That wasn't our goal. That's often what we, we look at. And we're going to see pictures, and that's kind of the stuff that jumps out to us first. But that wasn't our goal. It's never been our goal to just go there and be with those people and learn the neat things that are different about them. Uh, again, physical things happen. We've helped those people. They have helped us through, down through the years. But God's word has entered and it's taken root. And, and I hope you can see that from the pictures we're going to look at. But as we look at this, Paul says that, you know, it's not, it, they don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That wasn't just Paul declaring what he and those men that were with him were doing in their ministry. That's a reality. That's a fact of life, that it's a spiritual battle that's happening. Satan has this realm of darkness. That is his realm. And he is fighting tooth and nail to hang on to that. He, he does not want the light to enter. And we've seen that as, as a reality where obstacles have come up. Things have happened to prevent the light from shining into the dark places. Um, but yet, as we think about this, this realm of light and darkness, Jesus very clearly said many times, uh, but in John chapter 8, 12, it's real clear. And the same exact verse in John 12, where he said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. So we have this dynamic of darkness exists and we hold the light. We as God's children, that's the, the, the influence that we are to have on the world is to bring light in. We could use other things like, like uh, salt and, and uh, things like that as an illustration. But anyways, we're going to use the darkness and light one for today. But as we think about that, I have you in 1 Corinthians 2. Let me read starting in verse 9. It says, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For, God, for to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And that's the, the, that's the, the realm that we're talking about here, is that the things that we hold, there is a physical aspect of it. We have the responsibility to live in this world and, and to have a testimony that portrays Jesus Christ and that we are a reflection of him. But it's not about the physical things. It's about the spiritual things. As we are spiritual beings, we have the mind of Christ. And it's, those things are not revealed to us by human wisdom. That's why I wanted to read this passage. It's not, it's not about us and the things that we think about. It's about God and the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals those things to us. We aren't, we aren't anymore the natural man. And that's what the people in Sino are seeing. They, they are realizing this, and they're growing from that, that point of being in, from in, in darkness before 
and into light. Again, I'm using Sino as an example, and then we'll, we'll broaden it a little bit, and I'll talk a little bit more about some other places. Um, but let's just take a look at a picture. Before, it was complete darkness. Now, there's groups of people that are sitting together. They're hearing God's word on a regular basis. Um, there are Bible studies pretty much every day of the week, prayer meetings, elderly people that are getting together and, and uh, praying for the young people. They're, they're ministering to each other and they're growing in, in their understanding of what it means to be God's ch children. Light has truly entered. These are brothers and sisters that we will enjoy fellowship with in heaven. I don't know what that does for you, but that is a, an incredible concept when you think about that. And it takes it, I, I trust, from being pictures and just faces in a picture that could just be an object to us recognizing that these are the souls of men. And there is a spiritual work that's going on there um, as lives are being changed. Uh, Frank and Miriam Turtle, you'll remember that name. They're the only ones left working in Sino now. And um, that's been a very deliberate choice because uh, there are now elders there. There are men from the Sino village that are doing the teaching. And so um, our other co-workers, Kelly and Sean Leyendike, uh, their primary role was to, to teaching and, and uh, admonishing the believers. And now there are, there are elders that are doing that. So Kelly and Sean purposefully moved out of the tribe and stepped away from the work so that the, the elders would be able to do that, that function. Um, the translation is scheduled to be finished this year. Uh, this last week they, they were doing a translation check on the book of 2 Corinthians and Hebrews. And um, all except for two books of the, the New Testament are in either finished or in process of being finished. Um, so these are some of the men that are working with Frank and Miriam. God's word should be printed in their hands very soon. Um, talking about darkness to light, when we first went in there, they would grab a coconut branch and light it in the fire so that they could see and go around at night. Well, society has, has touched them a little bit more, not just because we were there. They have flashlights and they have different lanterns and stuff like that now, but this is a house in the Sino village and Frank was walking up to it. He saw the light on and went to see what was going on. Here's one of the elders in there reading God's word late at night. This has become a very real part of their lives. They, they not only are they happy with the, the life that they have as they go to church and they fellowship with people and that kind of thing. They're learning, they're studying, they're investing themselves into this process. The Sino village is moving up and down the river. There's a, uh, they're reaching out to the village up river and down river as well as um, inland a ways. They've actually gone to two different language groups. Um, more on a discipleship basis. It wasn't evangelistic because there were actually churches there already. But um, these are some of the faithful men that we want to be praying for. God's word, they have a lot of it. Again, you know, the stuff that's been translated, but it's, it's in booklet form like this. They don't have kind of a compiled full story yet. Um, so Lord willing, by the end of this year, pray for these leaders as they begin to lead the, the flock there. And again, like I said, they've appointed three elders there, and there are some other men that are in the process of growing and becoming uh, to that point where they will be appointed as elders and leaders in the church. So let's just run through a few prayer requests before we expand. Um, pray for health and strength for Frank and Miriam. This has been a long road for them, and they really want to finish up this year well, uh, get the translation done before they take a break. 
Um, pray for faithful translation helpers. They would love to be able to finish up with the folks that have been trained and are, are becoming better and better at this. Pray for the believers as they reach out uh, to the other unbelievers. They, they're making comments like more than, more than half of us are believers now. We need to keep reaching those that, that haven't accepted Christ yet. They're burdened for those people in their village. And then for the newly appointed elders to be faithful shepherds of the church there in Sino. And um, there are all kinds of pitfalls that are, that are potentially there for them. So let's be praying for that. I do want to expand our, our horizons a little bit. And um, I have to ask, uh, what, what time are we finished? I failed to. Quarter of a noon, okay. So we'll, we'll keep going on. So we've been in the Highlands for the last number of years, and I just want to expand. There's our, our map, and um, we're going to talk about some of the challenges that, that we face in this, this battle between darkness and light. That's the realm that we've been ministering in for the last eight years, that basically that middle part of the country there. And um, we're, we're expanding on that. I'll show that in a little bit. But... Um, just a little bit of the topography, it's different. You know, if, if you were to come in, uh, you're gonna see, this is the stuff you're gonna see. It is, there are fewer airstrips, although we do fly into a lot of places in the highlands as well. But a lot of the people are more accessible by ground. And um, that's becoming a, a more and more of reality. So I was on a trip and I just, just snapped these pictures, but um, it, it's teamwork. The whole, the whole work that we do, not just driving on the road. This is just an illustration of it, but um, yeah, I'm telling you, this is worse than snow. I'll, t I'll tell you that much, but they were pulling the truck up the hill. Um, some of the stuff that we face when we go in to visit them, this is what they face every single day because it's where they live. There we were, teamwork again, pulling the truck out of a puddle. Some of the roads. <laughs> there we were at night. What you can't see in this picture, just because it's not quite dark enough, but everybody else had climbed out of their truck. They were very content to walk and weren't too sure about driving over that same bridge at night. But anyway, and then just a picture there of, of one of the fellas. I, I want to talk about some of the challenges because we've talked about this realm, just a little bit of darkness to light. Um, that's the battle that we are in. Um, if you'll, you'll flip over to 1 John with me, we're going to spend a little bit of time here um, and then refer to some other passages. But 1 John chapter 1, um, as we think about what is going on there, we, we've seen that, just, just looking at that passage from 1 Corinthians, that this is a spiritual battle. We know that Satan's realm is darkness. We, we refer to that in Ephesians, and we, we look at that and see the challenges that are with that. But the fact is that we are light. We've been left here to be light. In, um, in 1 John chapter 1, I'll read verses 5 to 7 to start with here. It says, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. 
And that's that, this is talking to believers and it's talking about fellowship here and we'll, we'll move on from this point, but what a synopsis of the very reality of why we are called God's children and the very basis for why we can be here and fellowship as a group of God's children is that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. It does talk about forgiveness, and again, this is believers. It's not specifically a gospel message, but that is the heart of the gospel message, that, that Christ came. He died for our sins. His blood, as he shed it, was a, an adequate, full payment, satisfactory to God for our sins. That's a personal thing. But also, which we'll see, that it's for the sins of these people that we see in these pictures. And, and that's the, the precious messages that we hold. Um, but it isn't just a matter of speaking this message, is it? it? It wouldn't be, we wouldn't have passages like Ephesians 6. We wouldn't have those challenges about it being a battle and a, a wrestling match and those kind of things um, if it was just smooth sailing all the time. And uh, I'd like to just refer just a, a little bit to some realities that we see. If we were to flip over to 1 Peter chapter 5, you don't have to turn there. We'll just refer to it. But... The, a, the context is that Christ is going to be returning, and Peter is giving some instruction about how the people should live, how they should conduct themselves within that realm. Um, in verse 5 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter, it talks about being subject to one another in humility. There's that aspect of humility. It goes on to say in verse 6 that God rejects the proud but gives grace to the humble. Okay, verse 7, we know this verse. This is one that we quote often when people are going through struggles. That's where it says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's a, a very comforting thing. We, we say that to each other. It's a truth that we know because God does care for us. He knows our burdens, and we cast our cares upon him. But within the realm of that, there's the next verse where he says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a, a lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that to be true. And that's the, that's the wrestle that we have. That's the spiritual battle. There is darkness in that realm that Satan runs in, and he's, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. We have seen in, um, some real challenges in, in ministry, in the ministry context there in New Guinea. Um, some of those things, I, not to attribute any more credit to Satan, but I believe that it, they are directly his actions and his work to try to hinder light from shining into the dark places, those darkest places that, that don't have any light at all still. Um, but as we, we've looked at this and I pondered this, I've, there's no real way to summarize that in a, in a neat package what that spiritual battle looks like, but there's been a few specific tactics that I think Satan has used that have been somewhat effective. Um, one, we know that his desire is to keep those that are in darkness in darkness. And we have seen different things where very unexplainable things happen. They're, you know, sometimes you could call them supernatural. I, I don't want to say that in a hokey kind of way, but the reality is, is that Satan does have power. He's not all-powerful, but he does have power to hold people in darkness still. Not if he doesn't have more power than God to move them into light, but that realm of darkness is his realm, and he has influence there. We've seen things that we can't explain where people that are very spiritual and they're, they're looking uh, at a specific thing where 
visible um, uh, spells have been cast on different things, and then you actually see some of that stuff come to fruition. We can't explain that in human terms. We don't understand those things, but yet Satan has that ability to move and to confirm those beliefs in their minds, and, and that's one of the tactics. Again, not giving enough any undue credit there, but I believe that Satan seeks to keep people content in the condition that they're in, whether that, that make that darkness a comforting place for them. Um, we have seen him use many distractions from the truth, uh, whether it be fear or education or employment or those kind of things that become distractions to the communication of truth and to move people so that they're into areas where truth isn't being taught. And uh, the last one, and this is a challenge for us because as children of light, we've seen Satan be effective in discrediting or casting a shadow over the light that does exist. And that's a challenge for us as we think about that, as um, believers don't conduct themselves the way they are, whether they fall into sin or they, there's disunity or those kind of things that don't communicate the love of Christ within the context that we're at. They cast a shadow over, over the light that is there that we are to be carrying. So as, as we think about those things, um, we are to be sober, we're to be vigilant, we are to to consider the fact that there is an enemy that's walking about seeking to devour, uh, devour us, to, to cast a shadow over us. We know that he doesn't, he doesn't win in the end. He doesn't have ultimate victory. But the reality is, is he gains little victories as we go. So as we think about this, I want to just talk about a few challenges there in New Guinea. The government is changing uh, rapidly. Uh, there's, there's a lot of... it's. We could see this here in our own country too, but, um, but there we're seeing it more and more that the government is seeking to have more influence, but yet they don't have the infrastructure to do that. And so there's a lot of bureaucracy, red tape. That's exactly what we're, we're caught up with in the, the process of trying to get visas to return there. Um, it's unusual that somebody that's been there and has had visas would not get another one issued. So we're, we're just dealing with more and more government red tape, taxes and and uh, things like that. Um, the society is changing. Things like education that before were for the, a very few people had it accessible to them. It's now free. And um, so that's, there's a whole element of society that's moving down to the urban areas so that they can gain an education. Nothing wrong with the education part of it, but the country is not equipped to deal with that infrastructure of large crowds of people and, and uh, housing and no employment, those kind of things, they lead to crime and, and issues like that. We become, we become targets in that process. So as we think about that, you know, there's, there's just um, things going on with the society, cultural things. There's huge pushes. Organizations from here in the States and other uh, Western countries that are coming in and, and their goal is to preserve the traditional culture. You know, leave those people the way that they are. I can assure you that those people are not happy and content with where they are. They live a life of real fear, um, all kinds of issues like that. So there are cultural things happening like that, and then the culture changing and modernization happening without a proper balance of understanding truth in that. And then organizational things. We, uh, yeah, without any details, our mission group is a large organization, and there are organizational complications and things like that that, that um, sometimes consume a lot of energy. And 
our goal would be to minimize that, but with all the government changes and taxes and uh, financial things that are going on and, and stuff like that, the organization has taken a lot of energy. So we have challenges with that. Just say that. But um, the question for us as we, we move into some uh, thoughts to conclude here, how do we respond to these challenges? You could, you could fill in the bullet points here with, with challenges, whether it has to do with your employment or neighbors or, or whatever it might be that you find to be a challenge and that are, are things that are, maybe you'd want them to go away. I wish that was just a situation that was dealt with, but yet it's something that is a part of your life, something that God has given you to trust him with. Um, how do we respond to these challenges? And this is where I want to conclude our thoughts because it's, it's leading us into some ministry goals that I want to communicate about where we're, we're going. Um, as we think about these things, we as missionaries are, are foreigners in that country of Papua New Guinea. Uh, we'll always be foreigners there. And it turns our attention back to what has always been our goal, but it brings us to that point of how are we going to continue to carry that gospel message in a context that's changing, that we may not even be able to continue on with forever. We're still praying for more years there because we see the needs, but yet as we step back from that, what do we do? And um, God's given us the answers to some of that, but um, in a practical way, we're, we're stretching out as a mission. That's what you saw before. This is going to be a new area that we're looking at. Uh, some more developed areas, but God has given the answer to us in God's word that it's not as an individual that I'm going to carry the gospel and reach the country of Papua New Guinea. It's as a body of Christ. And there is a church that exists in, in Papua New Guinea, not just one church, but the, church, the, the larger church of Jesus Christ does exist there, and it's functioning at different levels, um, different levels of maturity and different abilities to minister. But in, in 1 Timothy 3, Paul's talking to Timothy there, and he's given some instructions about how the, the leaders in the church should conduct themselves. And he goes on, he's hoping to come there to visit them. But he reminds them that the church is the pillar and the foundation of truth. So our, our minds turn back to that point is that the church that is in Papua New Guinea. And as we go back, our goal is, um, lest you think we're only looking at that middle country, we have a team up in Wewak and also over in Kimbe, if you can see that over on the eastern part, um, that's actually doing the same thing as us. And so we're, we're looking at a more encompassing thing is the whole country of Papua New Guinea. How are we going to reach that country? And again, the answer we feel is in the church. So as we head back, um, our goal is to get more involved with those groups that are functioning well, uh, that are at that point of being able to take a next step and become co-workers and, and co-ministers of the gospel to reach their own country. This is actually the group that I was driving to on that road you saw. Um, Faithful people, it's not just in the, the gathering of people, but I just want to show you a few faces of some, some, some folks. Um, this is Gibson and, and uh, Malon, a couple of elders there. This group here, there's actually about 20 churches. I believe it's 19 churches out in that tribe. And uh, these are a couple of the pastors. Metos is this little fellow on the left. These are, are faithful men that are leading churches and leading groups, shepherding groups of people there. This is Paul. He's an evangelist that hikes through some of the most rugged territory you could ever imagine. 
again, Gena, just um, really difficult area that he works in, and they just had a Bible study, and a few people got saved. It was a, it was a glimpse of light for him, and he's, he's encouraged these days. Willis Iteve, this is a man that is uh, extremely faithful, and he's a, a leader, um, very much a co-worker of ours at this point. And we see, our goal is to to minimize some of those organizational things that we were a part of before, and we're going to be investing ourselves into men like this in the church. Daniel just received God's word in his language this last year, um, early 2013. Again, these are the faithful men. And then Joseph is carrying God's word into Asiana and uh, Awa and some other areas there. Faithful men. So as we, we conclude here, uh, you're probably still in First John. Um, let me just continue to read a few verses. Uh, chapter 2, I'll start with verse 1. The little part we skipped there, it does talk about confession of our sins and as believers and how we can be made right. But in chapter 2, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And that's the challenge that we have. That's the message that we hold, is that Jesus Christ's blood was satisfactory, again, not just for our sins, not just so that we can have an eternal hope and a home in heaven eternally, but it was adequate to pay for the sins of the whole world. And we have that responsibility, whether God has you here in Methuen or Salem or wherever it may be that you live and you spend your time. Um, it may be Texas. It could be Chicago and the, the new doors that God is opening up to, to minister his grace. But we, we, hold, we hold the truth. We have light. We are children of light. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to face those challenges that, that face us? How are we going to be faithful to carry that and to recognize that our world is changing. We could do it like we always have, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. The proclamation of truth is always a good thing. But we as God's children need to recognize the challenges that face us and recognize the world that we minister to and carry it in a way, like hopefully you've seen there in New Guinea, that is going to be effective. It's going to be strengthening the churches and equipping them to become co-laborers with us in reaching their own country. And again, we're trusting the Lord to be able to go back in July. We've shared the prayer request with you. Um, the Lord knows how long we personally will be able to be there and how long we'll be a part of that. But pray for us as we, we have this goal and these plans to invest ourselves in the churches there in New Guinea uh, for the next, our next term there. And um, I don't think that's a, a lifelong ministry, to be honest with you, because it really is just a matter of getting them to the point where they're taking the next steps. And once they're fulfilling that, that, that aspect of the ministry, we will be able to step aside and focus on some other places. We do still have places in New Guinea that are extremely dark and there aren't, there's no light even close to them. So we're going to continue opening up some of those new works as well. But pray for us as we face these challenges, the challenges we have as a family, the challenges we have as a mission group and as a a body of people that are seeking to reach the folks in Papua New Guinea with the gospel. So let's close in a word of prayer and then pass it over. Lord, we do thank you for your 
love and your grace. We thank you that you came to earth and that in you is no darkness at all, that you brought us to a point of being able to understand that and have led us to know you as the, the source of all truth and, and to be able to believe in you and to be your children and all the privileges that are ours because of that. And Lord, as we carry that light, as we're objects of light in this world, help us to be faithful. Help us to look around us and recognize the challenges that we that are, that are going on and help us to be effective in our ministries. And Lord, I do pray for the folks in New Guinea as they are uh, they face these things and they're growing in their ability to, to be light in the communities and in the environment that they live. Lord, that you'd help our brothers and sisters there to be faithful today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.